For the last couple of months, we have been in a series entitled, Who is God and What is He Like? And the reason that we are spending so much time considering this is because while a lot of people believe in God, there's a lot of differences in the opinions of what God is like. Our image, our imagination of God is directly related to our emotional response to God. Our image of God influences our relationship with Him and others, or lack thereof. Our image of God strongly influences our understanding of everything else in our lives. I once heard Leonard Sweet, a Christian professor, author, and speaker, say something along the lines of that he imagined that most Christians probably have about 80% of their theology right. Maybe, maybe 20%, not so much. But he said that the real problem is, is we don't know which is which. And I speculate that as it relates to our image of God, it's probably not much different. The good thing for us that we have been talking about in depth is that the New Testament and Jesus himself have clearly told us what God is like. And what God is like is Jesus. And I would encourage you, read all about him. Pay attention to his words, to his actions, particularly to his self-sacrificial nature. Jesus' action of going to the cross, cross that none should perish and be separated from God, evidenced His character and that of God as self-sacrificial love. Jesus said in John 15:13, "Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friends." And he did just that. When he laid down his life, not only for his friends, but also for those who want nothing to do with him. Who consider him their enemy. Or worse, as non-existent. Over these last two months, we have spent our time on Sunday morning seeing that the New Testament as a whole presents Jesus as the supreme revelation of God. And as such, the revelation of God in Jesus should never be regarded as one revelation among others. But rather, Jesus is the revelation, the revelation that culminates and surpasses all previous revelations. As I've said on previous weeks, who is God and what is He like? We have only to look at Jesus. This morning I want to begin to consider some of the areas where we may have some faulty understanding about God, particularly as we hold them up against Jesus, who He was and who He is. Things that perhaps are hindering us in our experience of God, our full experience of Him and this eternal, abundant, superabundant life that He has for us now. But before we head into our topic for this morning, let's pray. Loving Papa, gracious Jesus, present Spirit, 
you have been so amazingly self-revealing. Since we came upon this world as a people and as individuals. Paul says that all of nature glorifies and declares your glory. We've had prophets and teachers that great people like Moses and David. And then came Jesus, who came as the perfect, the whole and complete revelation. No longer a shadow, no longer fuzzy and unclear, but clear. And we have learned of you through him. And Holy Spirit, I welcome you now into these weeks as we uh, look at these various topics over time of where, where there could be some misunderstanding about who you fully are, who you really are, that have not only hindered us perhaps, but have hindered lots and lots of other people too. Would you bring your revelation? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you allow us to hear your voice, to discern what you are saying to each of us and to us together? For your glory. Let it be so. Earlier I I referenced Leonard Sweet's comment about not knowing what part of our theology is accurate and what part might be faulty. And while I think we are probably very comfortable acknowledging we don't know or understand everything about God, I've also pretty much seen most of the time that we're pretty confident about the things we think we do know or believe. And that when they are challenged, we often struggle. Well, that's not true. End of discussion. And I'd like to encourage us as we begin to talk about some things that may feel um, a little outside the realm of straightforward Christian doctrine to keep in mind that we are all loved by God and are called to love one another as He loves us. And rather amazingly, God loves us even when we don't agree with Him. Good for us. Have you noticed that? So it's going to be okay to disagree, but it's not going to be okay to be mean, unkind, or belligerent. And what I sense the Holy Spirit wanting to do is to to bring us into this oneness around the fullness of who God really is. That we could come together to celebrate this self sacrificial God who laid down his life for us and for all human beings. I want to talk about an area of belief that is essentially taken for granted, but that really needs some clarification. And that's the relationship of God to time. 
Clearly, Scripture extensively and thoroughly declares God over and over to be eternal. From everlasting to everlasting. But let me ask you a question. And don't answer it yet. Is God outside of time? How many of you say, yes, God is outside of time? Raise your hands. Okay, how many of you say, no, God is within time? How many of you say yes and no? Which I think is probably the more common posture. We have, we have learned or have understood that God is outside of time. I don't know that we've often thought about the implications of that, but we're going to be talking about it. So I want to talk first uh, about this idea of God being outside of time, and I want to look at some biblical support for that. To say that God is outside of time is to say that He is timeless, that He is beyond time altogether. This view says that God does not exist in any time, but exists in eternity. It also holds that God does not experience the passing of time, what's called temporal succession or the process of cause and effect. It it says that God does not experience the first century before he experiences the 21st century. God knows the past, the present, and the future as one timeless moment, one timeless now. Not to be confused with the NBC TV series called Timeless. In this view, God knows everything that is going to happen and the choices that every person will ever make. In other words, the future is completely settled in God's mind and has been so from all eternity. This view is sometimes called the classical view of divine foreknowledge. And it has been the majority view in the church since the time of Augustine, around 350 A.D. So let's look at a few scriptures that people uh, share and illustrate to this idea that God is outside of time. First one comes from Isaiah 57:15. It says, "Thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity." whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy places. A couple things about this verse. Though it's translated inhabits eternity in the new RSV, the NIV, the NASB translates it as he who lives forever. But more significantly is that the verse goes on to say that though he is high and lofty above all, it says that he is with those who are contrite and humble in spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. Surely we know God to be present 
in the present with us. That's the significance of Jesus' words that He will always be with us even to the end of the age. Another verse used to describe God being outside of time is Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. It says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Think he's making a point? And he's right. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. For sure, this passage identifies the loftiness of God, the greatness of God, the majesty of God. But God's foretelling of what is still to come is kind of meaningless if God experiences a timeless now. He sees everything, everyone, all events at once. This proposes. You might just be able to say, well, of course you know the beginning and the end and what's still to come. You're outside of time. You know all of human history, past, present, and future. Then one that was echoed more than any others, 2 Peter 3.8, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Now, a problem with this supporting that God is outside of time and experiences the past, the present, and the future in one timeless now is what Paul says next. And, you know, some of the challenges we have with our theology is we sometimes pick these narrower presentations and say and declare significant theological basis on them without the context. 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10, following that verse about God and a day and a thousand years. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. That day of the Lord is yet to come. There is an element of the continuing of time that God seems to have been entered into in profound ways throughout all of the writings of the scriptures. And another thing that happens with a lot of theological beliefs is the translating of texts to accommodate the theology of the translator, which kind of makes sense, right? 
but it would not be what they would say about it. In 2 Timothy 1.9, translated in the New Century Version, it says, God has saved us and made us his holy people. This was not because of anything we did ourselves, but because of God's purpose and grace. And this grace was given to us through Christ Jesus before time began. Echoed on the internet in lots of places as supporting this idea of God being before time, that time arrived when creation occurred. The NIV translates this last phrase, before the beginning of time. New RSV says, before the ages began. And the NASB says, from all eternity There's three Greek words here, pro chronos ioannis. Pro means before, chronos is time, but in the Greek it has also the idea of season or space of time. And then ionios means eternal or everlasting, but uh, commentators suggested that I saw that when Ionios is combined with Kronos, it has the meaning of before the world began. So let's go back to the verse. God has saved us and made us his holy people. That was not because of anything we did ourselves, but because of God's purpose and grace, that grace was given to us through Christ Jesus before the world began. And is not referencing time. In fact, is it, I found myself last night as I was working through this thinking, how can the world begin, how can it be created if in God's mind it's always been, it always is, it never was created, it's always existed. It gets a little cumbersome. So this idea of God is outside of time or as experiencing the past, the present, and the future as one timeless now is, is honestly not real easily supported from biblical text. Rather, the bulk of biblical language describes God as interactive within time. So let's look at that for a moment and some scriptures that reference that. God being within time. To say that God is within time is not to say that he began to exist or at some point will cease to exist. Rather, the opposite is clearly declared throughout the scriptures that God is eternal. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He has always been and he will always be. To say that God is within time is to say that He is in this present moment. That He has existed at each and every past moment and He will exist at every future moment. Let's look at a few of the many places where this is expressed. First, anybody tell me the words of the opening words from Genesis 1-1? Guy, beginning. Beginning beginning of what? 
not the beginning of God. God had been around the beginning of us. But it's a reference to time. Not in the middle, not later on, not earlier, but in the beginning. Then John 1 echoes this same thing. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's a, there's a reference to this movement of time from the beginning. Scripture references the coming Messiah. Scripture is full of references to the motion, the succession of time, and God being in it. Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Who was, who is, and who is to come. Mark 13, 28 through 32. This is a reference uh, by Jesus talking about uh, a future day of his return. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that He is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but My words will not pass away. But about that day... Or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, that's a little complicated if the Son doesn't know a future date that's related to Him, if they are Trinity and one. It's a little complicated. And then the declaration of the Hebrews writers in 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And his character is that. But at some point in history, somewhere around 2,000 years ago, according to the Bible and historians, Jesus was conceived in the womb of a woman. He was born a human being, fully God, but fully human. And he remains in that new bodily state even to this day. He arose from the dead. He laid aside a a temporal body but now lives eternally changed as human and divine. Yet who He be was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now at this point, I I could imagine a few questions you might be having. So if God is not outside of time and the Bible doesn't really teach it or support it, how did we get to this place where it is such common belief that God is outside of time? 
And second, why are we even talking about this? How is this relevant to my relationship with God in my everyday life? Does it really matter? So let's look at the first one first. So interestingly, uh, Greek philosophers uh, spent a lot of time, as most philosophers do, speculating, trying to imagine what life is like and why it's like that. And uh, Greek philosophers decided to imagine what, what might the ultimate perfect being be like. If, if there were, they were speculating. They, they weren't going to any biblical texts. They weren't pulling up, uh, you know, going to Mount Sinai and getting some, some uh, clay tablets. They're sitting around uh, a place somewhere and they're speculating. If there were an ultimate perfect being, what would he be like? Hmm, interesting. Well, surely he would not have a beginning or an end. Surely he would be unchanging and unaffected by anything else. Surely this ultimate perfect being would have all power. And he or she or it would have all knowledge and no need to learn. And, they said, that being would have to be outside of time and space. Because time and space would limit such an ultimate perfect being. Now, those things should sound a little familiar to you. As some of the uh, attributes that were later applied to God by Christians since the time of Augustine. Christian doctrine would say that God is eternal. That He always has existed. Christian doctrine would say that God is immutable, unchanging. A little problematic for Jesus, but hey, it's all right. Christian doctrine would say that God is omnipotent, all-powerful. That He is omniscient, all-knowing. Nothing excluded from His knowledge. And Christian doctrine says that God is transcendent. He is outside. He is above the material world and time. And some of those are true reflections of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, but not all of them. Houston, we have a problem. How did we, our Christian doctrine, become so encased within Greek philosophy? Because it was and it is. Now, while we would like to be able to say that all of our Christian theology and doctrine is based on the Bible, the reality is that culture, learning, worldview, philosophy, 
and science have always influenced religion and religious thinking, even Christianity. Though we wish we could say ours is a pure and undefiled faith, we, like all biblical characters and writers, are in a process of learning about and growing in knowing God and our world. Next, why are we talking about this? How is it relevant to my relationship with God in my everyday life? Does it really matter, Randy? He's outside, he's inside, we're good. Primarily by what I just said. That we are all in a process of learning and growing and knowing God. And while there is much we still have to learn about God, some of what we think we know about God is potentially faulty. And that which is faulty is influencing our relationship with God and our experience of Him in our everyday life. Like we take for granted the idea that God is outside of time, having no past, present, or future, but existing in an eternal moment, there are other things about God we also take for granted that are also influencing our relationship with God and our experience of Him. Such as that God knows everything that is ever going to happen. Such as that the future is completely settled in God's mind and has been from all eternity. And Bill's going to be talking about that in two weeks from now. But friends, we have not been left to wander aimlessly in a myriad of philosophical arguments about the nature and person of God. We are not the Greek philosophers who are speculating about the perfect God. Understanding that Jesus is the ultimate and definitive image and revelation of God helps us to navigate the many images and beliefs about God by learning to hold our beliefs up against Him. Against the image of Christ where we see the true reality of who God is. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For it is God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Let the light of who I am break forth from the darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. God said, let light shine out of darkness. I want to show you who I really am. Take a look at my son, Jesus. We've got to constantly come back to Jesus. Maybe more now than ever. All of God's word, his scriptures are God breathed. They are given for the purpose of teaching and training and correcting. But they all point 
to Jesus. Every Old Testament passage Jesus said was about himself. And if we can't make that connection, then we need to keep working until we can. Who is God? What is he like? We have only to look at Jesus. I'd like us to just pause here for a minute like I've been kind of doing for, with us for a while. And I want you just to allow your mind to imagine God. And I want you to, to, to think about Just kind of be with the implications that God is outside of time. That He knows everything in the same moment. He can still, for sure, know and declare what is to come. That we are called according to His purposes since before the forming of the earth. But I want you also to imagine God right now with you. This transcendent God has often been thought of as quite distant. Quite far away. Jesus said, I am with you. I'm with you. I'm not just for you. I'm for you. But I'm not just for you. I'm with you. The Holy Spirit has been given to live within us, to be within us. Just just take a few moments and just begin to imagine God and welcome Him to bring clarification to your heart and to your mind about Himself. Papa, it's easy for us to acknowledge, appropriately so, that we don't know everything about you. That we are still coming to know you. Coming to know Jesus. Coming to know the Spirit. And we want to know you. Jesus said, this is eternal life. To know the Father and the Son. Not to know about, but to have intimate relationships. And so as we are journeying together to better know you, might you lead us into the intimate relationship that you and the Trinity have with one another. For that is your invitation, that we would be one together with you. You have invited us and welcomed us to come into this community of love that is here, that is present, that is real, and is the kingdom of God, eternal life, and the superabundant life. It is life with you right now, this minute, this moment, and the next, and the next, and the next. 
Would you be teaching us these days? Would you be bringing your revelation, clarity from your heart, from your word? Would you help us to understand and to lay hold of how these things point to you, Jesus? For everything in the scriptures you said points to you. Be glorified this week. Help us to know you near and with us. In Jesus' name, let it be so. Thanks for coming. It's a good little day we had here. Welcome to our new members to be with us and hang out. Um, Our realtor is showing up at that property a little before 1230. Um, It's I bet you it's about a mile and two tenths or something like that. It's not far away. You're going to make a right-hand turn out here going uh, what's, what's uh, west or north, <laughs> D- depending on which angle Bandera is at at this point. Um, and you're going to go up to mainland uh, where the Walmart's on the right and there used to be a Sonics and there's a, not a Burger King, but something anyway. That's mainland. You're going to make a left, go 30 miles an hour. Speed limit on that little street, we do it every day. That's our drive path home from here. And it will be our drive path to the new building too. Uh, Continue up mainland and the property will be on your right-hand close side. And there's a driveway uh, just on the other side of the the buildings. And there's some parking there and then there's a large parking lot in the back. And uh, just park somewhere. Feel free to walk around. You can walk in little groups or clusters. I don't know how this is going to work, but... Uh, he'll be there, and uh, we'll, as many of you as would like to go, go. we'll uh, see you there. If you would like prayer this morning, if there was anything stirred in your heart or mind and would like uh, someone to come alongside and, and be with you in uh, your circumstance, whether it be a need for healing, whether it be a, a, a circumstance or situation going on in your life, um, whether it's simply something to share with another person that you want to give glory to God, we would love an opportunity to speak and pray with you. Have a great week. God bless you. See you next Sunday.